that kind of charisma is overwhelming. Uh, and, and therefore, like in most religions, uh, uh, you know, um, in the uh, Judeo-Christian Muslim tradition, this majesty of God is always <coughs> emphasized. Because, you know, you've got to know that God is great and you're very small. And you can't compete. Uh, and so he, because have, the people have this tendency to have their own little God projects going on and think I'm great, then to keep you humble, therefore God is like very, very majestic. Uh, when, when, he, when he shows up, like Moses in the burning bush, there's fear and trembling and a feeling of littleness and creatureliness. You know? There's a, a book by uh, Rudolf Otto, an early scholar of religion, had this book called uh, Das Heilige, translated as the idea of the holy. And when you're in the, this presence of the special phenomenon he calls the holy, there's this feeling of creatureliness, of smallness, littleness. And so, and among the Jews, God's personal name was so great, nobody could see it. You didn't want to say the name of God. Here we are going around babbling it all the time. You <laughs> keep it a secret, you know. Yeah. And if you see it, even Orthodox Jews, when they write the word God in English, they put G dash D. They're not going to be too close. That's the effect of majesty. It's just a kind of uh, manifest power. But so. But as Krishna, the Lord, he's also supremely sweet and supremely lovable. He's the greatest of everything. So he is the most sweet, adorable, lovely, likable person on a personal level. And, and as the majesty is there, everybody keeps themselves at a reverential difference. He wants to enjoy relationships with his devotees. So think of two knobs. There's the majesty knob, and there's what, what in Sanskrit is madhurya, sweetness. And so when Krishna appears, the, the sweetness is turned way up, and the majesty down. So that's Krishna's Vrindavan pastimes. Krishna Later on, after that Vindavan period, he rules like a king in Dwarka, and that majesty is pretty much evident. But in Vrindavan, he's he he he's a barefoot country kid. You know, he's out there in the in the woods, he's herding cows and and, and playing with in the fields and. Messing around, you know. I mean, just a kid. You know, his, his sweetness is 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 what is manifest, yeah. and is all attractive. I mean, that word Krishna kind of suggests this all attractiveness. This this sweetness is there, and that's that's what Krishna's Vrindavan pastimes. The rural Krishna, not the urban Krishna. Uh, uh, and so there's not much formality. Uh, yet it's, it's there, but it's kind of hidden. There's a verse that, that talks about Vrindavan 
Chintamani prakara sadma su kalpa viksha lakshavriti su surabhira pipaliyantam lakshmi sahasrasata samraman sirimanam govindam adi purusham tamaham bhajami. I'm worshipping Govinda. Govinda means a cowboy. Uh, I'm worshipping Govinda, who is the Adi Purusha, the primordial person. Uh, so he's in the place uh, with a lot of rocks and stones, you know, that they use for building things. These rocks all over the place, every one of those rocks is a Chintamani stone. Uh, the uh, philosopher's stone, the gym, the, that if you touch anything else to it, it turns to gold. All of those rocks, those are all of Chintamani. And the trees, there's a tree called a Kalpa Vriksha that gives you anything you want. Uh, and people go crazy to find one, they're usually up in the heavenly planets and stuff. There, in the woods of Rana, every tree is a Kalpa Vriksha. And the cows, are Surabi cows. The Bhagavatam now writes a whole war that started over the possession of one Surabi cow, the special cow. Use, use their uh, milk products in a sacrifice, you'll get everything you want. They're, they're called uh, wish-fulfilling cows, I guess one way to translate. So these are the Surabi cows. All, every single cow. And, and these, these barefoot village girls each one is a Lakshmi, a goddess of fortune. So that's the that's it's all kind of concealed by this simplicity. So that Krishna is very accessible. So these are his Vrindavan pastimes. That that's what he shows once in a day of Brahma. And when he appears to show these Vrindavan pastimes, still people don't have access to it. It's, 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 they're very hard to, uh, to understand. You can think of him as an ordinary guy, you know. He's the, uh, uh, so when he appears, now he appears at the end uh, of the Dwarpa Yuga. Uh, like when Krishna appeared, it was the beginning of what we in the West think of as the historical period. It's the end of the late Neolithic. That's the time where civilization, as far as we're concerned, Western historians are concerned, civilization begins. We've progressed now to this point where we have writing. Now, as far as they people are concerned, writing is a sign of the decline of civilization. Not a new thing. It's, it's, it's there because people's memories are no good anymore. That, that, that when everybody would hear something from a teacher, they would remember it. With flawless memories. And they didn't have to write anything down. But people's, when Kali Yuga began, memories became faulty. And they're getting worse all the time, by the way. Uh, and, and so people began to write things down. And he, even Socrates is quoted as, by, by Plato as condemning writing as being very, very bad. You only, when you read things that are written, you only see them from the outside and it destroys your memory. What do you think the internet is doing to our memories? Huh? 
the devices we have. Yeah? They're going, it's getting worse, right? But we, our myth is the myth of progress. We are better than ever. From this understanding, we are worse than ever. We are worse than ever. Uh, so, this is when uh, we don't you know, we don't see any writing because people didn't write any things down. We need to. They had memories, but now, anyway, we. So this is the the time that Krishna appeared. Really, you know, the Pharaoh's time. Uh, yeah, you know, uh, about three thousand two hundred BC, around then. You know, that's a long time ago, right? Almost prehistoric. Historic means that there's some writing that they can say, oh yeah, now we know what happened. Uh, there, there's some writing. So anyway, this is when Krishna appeared. And, and, and so, you know, much of that stories we hear about Krishna, it's not our world. Uh, it's still a world in which there are giant water snakes like Kali and Naga and all these things and so very archaic world. There, demons. Krishna. All these demons are coming. Shape shifting demons, uh, because they have mystic powers. You know, they, they 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 can disguise themselves. The yoga cities were fairly common. I, I, I imagine, by the way, if we had a perfectly ecological civilization, how much trash would be left around for the future to dig up and look at. No, if you had a perfectly ecological situation, you wouldn't see much garbage around. Anyway, so this is, I just want to make this point, you know, like uh, 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 about, about this uh, time that Krishna appeared and, and, and the, the world that's depicted with these kind of big demons coming to kill him. They're looking for him because... Kamsa was a demon, the king Kamsa, in whose palace, who, who had taken over and suppressed everybody. Uh, he was a demon, and he sent his friends who were shape-shifting, shape-changing demons to go and kill him. And they appeared sometimes as gigantic snakes, as, I mean, as uh, all kinds of far-out uh, persons that, that tried to go find out where he was hiding out, because because after he was saved from Kamsa's attempt to kill him, uh, before he was born, he then went to Vrindavan to hide out and just to uh, keep, keep himself uh, 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 there. So, uh, when he was born, um, um, uh, first, I want to read a little bit about about uh, Lord Chaitanya here. Uh, he, I'm, I'm reading from uh, the Chaitanya Charitamrita. There's a few verses that said, it says this, the characteristics of Krishna are understood to be a storehouse of transcendental love. Uh, uh, Prema Bandira. Although that storehouse of love certainly came with Krishna when he was present, it was sealed. 
but very few people could appreciate it or be qualified to understand it. But when Sri Krishna Chaitanya Mahaprabhu came with his associates, the Panchatattva, that's in our historical time now, 1486 to 1533, is Lord Chaitanya. Because whenever Krishna appears, that once a day, followed by Chaitanya. Uh, when Chaitanya Mahaprabhu came with his associates, the Panchatattva, they broke the seal and plundered the storehouse of tr to taste transcendental love of God. The more they tasted it, the more their thirst for it grew. Love of God is addictive. And you never run out. And the more you have, the more it increases. Sri Panchatattva, that's the five of Lord Chaitanya, Nityananda, Advaita, Gadadhar, and Sri Vasa's five, four associates, this, these five. Sri Panchatattva themselves danced again and again, and thus they made it easier to drink nectarian love of Godhead. They danced, cried, laughed, and chanted like madmen, and in this way they distributed love of God. In distributing love of God, prema, in distributing love of God, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and his associates did not consider who was a fit candidate and who was not, nor where such distribution should or should not take place. They made no conditions. Wherever they got the opportunity, the members of the Panchatattva distributed love of God. And that's why we have it here today in, in uh, the very debased country of the United States of America. When you read about in India the untouchables, that's us. <laughs> Although the members of the Panchatattva plundered the storehouse of love of Godhead and ate and distributed its contents, there was no scarcity for this wonderful storehouse is so complete that as love, as the love is distributed, the supply increases hundreds of times. The flood of love of Godhead swelled in all directions. When it says love of Godhead, this is Prabhupada's uh, translation of prema. The flood of prema swelled in all directions. And thus young men, old men, women and children were all immersed in that inundation. And then it says, future tense, this Krishna, the Krishna consciousness movement will inundate the entire world and drown everyone, whether one be a gentleman, a rogue, or even lame, invalid, or blind. When the five members of the Panchatattva saw the entire world drowned in love of God, the future is presented as happening, and the seed of material enjoyment in living entities completely destroyed, because once you have this taste, all the, all the nice features of material life are not nice anymore. You've got something superior. They all became exceedingly happy. So this is what uh, 
The more the five members of the Panchatattva cause the rains of love of God to fall, the more the inundation increases and spreads all over the world. And so we've seen that spreading take place in our in our lifetime. So this is this is Lord Chaitanya. Uh, uh, so when Lord Chaitanya appeared, there was one interesting feature about it. You know, Krishna found out from prophetic reasons that his sister was going to give birth to a child who would kill him. And so he locked her up. This is his own sister. He locked her and her husband up. Uh, uh, and th then proceeded, when she got pregnant, to kill the children. This was like a very heavy thing. She had a baby, take it, and at first he was, ah, okay, I'll leave it alone. But then he changed his mind. And he, these, so her, the first older brothers of Krishna, six of them, were all uh, killed by uh, Kamsa. Uh, and as it turns out, those, peop those children that were killed were the, uh, revealed to be uh, the seven children of Marichi. Marichi is a, 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 a divine being, semi-divine being you might say. Uh, and these are his children. And the children's names are Kama, Kroda, Loba, Moha, Mada, and Matsara. See, so Marichi is the mind. One of the controllers of the mind. And these children are of the mind Lust, anger, greed, illusion, pride, and envy. Kama is lust. Krodha, anger. There's first there's desire to enjoy. You get frustrated. Then you get angry. And then you get greedier. And your greed increases. When you get really greedy, you become illusioned about things. You become very, very proud. And you envy everybody else. Uh, all our modern values right there. <laughs> Exemplified by some very important people. Uh, this is the Kama, Kroda, Lobha, and Mo. These actually turned out to be these uh, children who appeared because, because what happened is that these uh, uh, personalities uh, appeared in her womb uh, of, 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 of Krishna's mother. Uh, uh, and uh, it says here, uh, one may ask, Prabhupada says, how the Supreme Personality of Godhead, who was already situated transcendentally could enter the womb of De Devaki which had previously been entered by the six asuras uh, were they like him well it's explained here that uh, there's a kind of symbolic meaning 
Symbolically, Mother Devaki's constant fear of, Kam, uh, of Kamsa was purif- purifying her because she was afraid of material association. So symbolically it has this meaning that because of a devotee's fear of material association, uh, 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 the demons, Asura means a demon, the demons of material association will be killed uh, as these uh, uh, seven children, uh, offspring, uh, were killed by Kamsa. The six children were killed by Kamsa. Uh, It is said that from the mind, Marichi appeared. Uh, In other words, Marichi is the incarnation of the mind. Marichi has six sons, Kama, Kroda, Loba, Moha, Mada, and Matsarya, Lustanga, greed, illusion, madness, and envy. These are, have you noticed, your mind tends to become infested with these characters? Uh, And and marketing tends to, you know, further them (laughs) uh, for us. Uh, So, And then it says that the Supreme Personality of God had appeared from the womb of Devaki and therefore Devaki symbolically represents devotion. And Kamsa, her older brother, symbolically represents material fear. When a pure devotee always fears material association, his real position of bhakti is manifest and he naturally becomes uninterested in material enjoyment. When the six sons of Marichi are killed by such fear, and one is free from material contamination, within the womb of Bhakti, the Supreme Personality of Godhead appears. So therefore, to actually make God manifest in our hearts, we ourselves have to become free from these lust, anger, greed, and so on. Uh, uh, So the seventh pregnant of Devaki signifies the appearance of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Uh, Then what happens after that, of course, uh, it looked like Devaki was pregnant again and then had a miscarriage. But actually, what had happened is that uh, uh, Lord Balaram appeared in her womb and there was an arrangement to transfer her. It looked like she had a miscarriage but it was transferred from Devaki to Rohini uh, uh, and, and so uh, what looks like Krishna's half-brother Balaram uh, appeared first. So that Shesha incarnation created, the, prepared the way for, for the Lord and then finally uh, Krishna appears uh, symbolically, in other words, when one awakens his natural Krishna consciousness, and Prabhupada here, I'm quoting him, uses the word natural. At first, Krishna consciousness may seem highly unnatural to us. But when we begin to experience, oh, that's my natural state. And in that natural state, Lord Krishna uh, appears. Uh, so these are the these, these uh, six... Uh, children that uh, appear that that way. So.
So also we have to be to have Krishna appear in our hearts. He's situated in our hearts uh, as the super soul, but we are not able to experience that because of these these contaminations. Uh, and uh, so that for by practicing bhakti yoga, the, these things are removed that occlude our ability for our real perception. We, we are, as spiritually, we, we have the, the organs of senses to understand and see God. But we can't because of these coverings. So therefore, by bhakti, by practicing bhakti, uh, we become purified. The, we should see, by practicing bhakti, that lust and anger and greed, they, these are the, some of the, the children, <laughs> they start to disappear from the heart. If they don't, we're doing something wrong. Uh, and when that purification takes place, then we can actually begin to have direct perception of the Supreme. Paresh Anubhava. Uh, there's the uh, Sanskrit over this direct perception of the, the Supreme. Uh, and so this, uh, this is the uh, special uh, appeal, uh, appearance of Krishna. So, we know how to make Krishna appear in our hearts, especially uh, uh, wanted this method when Lord Chaitanya came, made it very easy that, that because, because Krishna, uh, Krishna and Krishna's name are the same. So here is a highly, highly portable form of Krishna, just the syllables Krishna. And Lord Chaitanya propagated this way of uh, being in Krishna's presence simply by, you know, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Really portable. It's sound vibration, subtle, carried around with you everywhere. No need for suitcases or you know, <laughs> temples, anything, just very high portable. And when you say those names, you are with Krishna. And Krishna is the supreme pure, and you become purified. And by chanting the Hare Krishna Maha Mantra, you should see that lust, greed, and anger begin to disappear uh, from the heart. Uh, uh, and uh, this is this, the simple method for the sage. We don't even... You know, we have temples and all those other things, but ultimately when Prabhupada came, he had none of those things, and he just got people to chant Hare Krishna. And because of that, things began to happen. Then we got temples later on, and so on like that, and that helps. But basically, all you need is the mantra. Uh, we use japa beads to chant on, but you can also do it just by counting rounds on your fingers like that in a, in a, in a regulated way. Uh, so this is, this is why uh, this uh, uh, appearance of uh, uh, bhakti, uh, uh, what it means. Uh, we, have, we have an explanation of the same verse by uh, Vishwanath Chakravarti uh, Thakur. Uh, do I have it here? Maybe it's here. Anyway. 
no. Okay. So, so that that's the this uh, the, this uh, uh, idea of we have now been given this very very pure method, very portable method uh, of, of of associating with Krishna through this uh, process of uh, of sound and. Because of that, oh yeah, here I found it. I was looking for this uh, this uh, commentary of Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur. Yeah, so this fear is this uh, the fear of material enjoyment. It says that uh, 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 that this was the fear that a devotee should have, because actually, when when one begins to practice Krishna consciousness, uh, uh, the first thing is you should see the modes of passion and the modes of ignorance should decrease. It's like clinical. Lust, greed, and anger should disappear from the heart, and then you'll be situated in the material mode of goodness, and that you naturally become happy. You know, just, just you're not tormented by anything, and you're kind of self-satisfied, and you can you can rest there. So that's why uh, 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 this idea of fear of material enjoyment, even if it's you know in the mode of goodness uh, should, should be there uh, then uh, uh, even one translends the material mode of goodness to what's called the Shuddha Sattva pure goodness and then gradually one can't actually have Pareshanubhava direct experience of the Supreme uh, so that's uh, part of the meaning of this uh, this uh, uh, Krishna's pastime. So we should take advantage now, uh, because it's Krishna's Janmastami, we should welcome Krishna into our hearts. Uh, and uh, and uh, by welcoming him in this way, uh, taking advantage of the supremely portable way that Krishna is available in the form of sound. You know, you can carry him around in your mouth. Absolutely subtle in the form of sound, but subtle things are more powerful. And uh, and uh, uh, when when, when uh, Krishna's name is chanted, but the sound is in ether. That is to say, either you can say it uh, audibly using the air and then going in the ether, or even mental uh, are in the ether. Ether means space. But space is not nothing. Uh, it contains sound. Uh, when that's there, it, it purifies. And when it goes into the ether, actually it purifies everything. Because, because in the Vedic idea, the subtle things are the more powerful they are. So, so ether, that is to say what we could call empty space, which, by the way, in quantum mechanics is not nothing. It takes pages and pages of 
equations is to describe empty space. So that, that ether becomes purified. And then the ether becomes purified, then the air becomes purified, uh, then water becomes purified, and, and, and earth becomes purified. All the, all the elements become uh, purified. And this is taking place, actually. Uh, uh, and so you do good for yourself and, and for others at the same time. It's uh, very good welfare work. Uh, so uh, now uh, we are able to sit here in a, a faraway country from India and from Krishna's appearance place and celebrate uh, Krishna Janmasmi. We've enchanted Hare Krishna. We've helped purify uh, the atmosphere. And very, very powerful. Very, very powerful. You know, when, when Srila Prabhupada uh, was able to go to Russia <coughs> once, and was able to initiate one devotee while he was there. Uh, uh, and, and, and somehow or other, that, that one devotee began to make other devotees, and the Krishna consciousness movement spread all throughout Russia. Uh, even though it was, I mean, sometimes they would take devotees and put them in middle, you know, asylums, and feed them heavy drugs and stuff like that. They couldn't stop it. Uh, so, because, it, it, you know, just the Hare Krishna mantra is very hard, you know, it's very subtle. And you can keep it in your mind. Nobody has to know it's there. <laughs> you can chant it like that. So it's very, very powerful. Uh, and uh, it will counteract all the dangerous effects of this age. There's supposed to be a a golden age of Krishna consciousness within this Kali Yuga. Uh, because Lord Chaitanya came and took what Krishna had done and was able to spread it to, to everybody. Uh, and we see it's happening all over again. Uh, just a few devotees going into different places. Uh, we used to... Uh, uh, we had the, the, the children of the Shah of Iran chanting Hare Krishna. Devotees went into Iran at the time as yoga teachers <laughs> and also gave them bhakti yoga. And uh, anyway, uh, it's spreading all kinds of places. Uh, and uh, it, it will be the antidote to all the evil effects of this, uh, this Kali Yuga. So it's the best thing we can do for ourselves. And it's the best thing we can do for other people, so we should take uh, uh, advantage of it. Thank you. See, we have some time. If there are any comments, questions, remarks, can do that. Prabhupada used to say, when nobody said anything, silence means agreement (laughs) (laughs) or consent. I assume everybody uh, consents.